The small town of Sox Center in central Minnesota was made famous by author, Nobel Prize winner, and native son, Sinclair Lewis. In 1920, Lewis published Main Street, his most well-known novel, The Plot, a scathing look at small town life in the Midwest. The setting, Gopher Prairie, a thinly veiled version of the place where he grew up. Lewis's critique of Sock Center, and by implication all small cities, was so harsh that nearby towns banned the book from public libraries. Many residents of towns like Sock Center resented their portrayal as hypocritical gossipers living small, empty lives. But the citizens of Sock Center loved the attention and embraced Sinclair Lewis as their hometown boy made good, despite the lack of mutual affection. To this day, Sock Center High School students are called Main Streeters. Main Street has been renamed Sinclair Lewis Avenue. Local businesses still use Sinclair Lewis's name to draw tourists from around the world, giving them the once-in-a-lifetime chance to visit the Main Street that inspired Main Street. But Sinclair Lewis's famous critique of his hometown and the locals' willingness to turn these critiques into a tourist attraction aren't the only strange things about Sox Center, Minnesota. No, the little town on the prairie has gained a reputation for a legend that is much more unnerving, unsettling. Some might even say ominous. I'm Kelsey, and welcome to the special Halloween edition of Strange Transmissions. The Sock Center House was built in 1963 as a saloon, hotel, and brothel. Brothels were a staple in most towns. In fact, Sock Center had four. Housing anywhere from a few to 20 women, they served as a gathering place for locals and travelers alike to drink, gamble, and pay for female companionship. But not all brothels were the same. The five to $10 houses were exclusively for the wealthy, run by powerful madams who were prominent figures in community and political life. Some say the women in these houses took up prostitution just to get away from the boredom of life as a woman in the 19th century. Prostitution gave them the freedom to earn money, dance, drink, gamble, and buy luxuries like makeup and perfume. Based on letters we obtained from the Sox Center Area Historical Society, it's safe to assume that the Sox Center House wasn't one of these brothels for the elite. The men who stayed here were poor, uneducated, struggling to make ends meet. What little money they did earn was sent home to support wives and children. As a cheap brothel for the working class, you might be able to imagine the setting. Desperate women looking for quick money, on the run from abusive relationships or troubled childhoods. Drugs, violence, basement abortions, and STDs. Drunk, unruly patrons. Dingy rooms, and the stale smell of sweat. 
More and more, the citizens of Sox Center saw the house as a blemish on their idyllic town. So few were heartbroken when, on June 26, 1900, the Sox Center house burned to the ground. Rumors even spread that the fire was set on purpose to rid Main Street of that immoral place. Intentional or not, the destruction of the Sox Center house gave the town a chance to move on and start over. And that's just what they did. Immediately after the fire, Ralph L. Palmer purchased the property with plans to build a world-class hotel that would restore pride to Sox Center. And just one year later, in 1901, the Palmer House Hotel opened its doors. The hotel was the second building in the entire state to have electricity. The St. Paul Globe praised it as a commodious and modern first-class hotel, an ornament to any city of much greater population. The Palmer House quickly became the town's hub for business and leisure, as well as a popular layover for passengers of the Great Northern Railway. It provided long-term accommodations for some citizens, including Ralph L. Palmer himself, his wife Christina, and their children, Hazel and Carlisle. According to various sources, Sinclair Lewis even worked at the Palmer House as a night clerk and fictionalized the hotel as the Minnie Mashie House in his writings. But after only seven years, the Palmers began leasing the hotel out to new management and in 1916, they sold to a new owner. Over the next century, the hotel changed hands many times. Upkeep was ignored. The once grand structure faded. Its glory diminished. Most owners bought the Palmer House with big dreams, but never stuck around more than a few years. It leads one to wonder what drove them away. Perhaps it was the cost of maintaining an aging building, or not enough business in a small prairie town. Maybe they had unpayable debts, or simply lost interest. Or did something else make them leave? Maybe it was the footsteps in empty hallways, mysterious knocks in empty rooms, whispers, smells, Shadowy figures reflected in barroom mirrors. Reports of paranormal activity at the Palmer House started in the 1950s, but very little was recorded or written down. Perhaps the hotel owners didn't want the rumors getting out, fearing that travelers would shy away from a night at a haunted hotel. Or maybe they're afraid of what people in small-town Minnesota would say. The first official report of a paranormal experience was made by former owner Al Tingey, who undertook a number of renovation and reconstruction projects on the hotel in the 1970s and 80s. In his book, Corner on Main Street, he dedicates a short chapter to the strange events, starting when his partner, while working the night shift, began hearing footsteps. Then he tells the story of Arvid, a longtime resident of the Palmer House, who for many years was kept awake late at night by the unmistakable sound of children talking and giggling in the hallway and an unusual thumping above his headboard. 
There was also an account of an unnamed guest staying in room number two, who woke up to the sound of dripping water. She got out of bed to find her suitcase, along with everything in it, soaking wet. But the suitcase was placed in the middle of the room, far from any plumbing, and they could find no leak. In the same room, years later, another guest walked in to find the middle of his bed soaked through. Again, no leak, no overhead plumbing. The owners downplayed these reports and did their best to dispel the rumors. It was hard enough to draw tourists and travelers to Sauk Center. But the paranormal encounters kept happening. The rumors kept spreading and the hotel kept changing hands. That is, until Kelly Freese bought the Palmer House. Do you have problems with people trying to sneak in down here? Oh, oh I bet. You, people will just come walking in going, where's the basement? Right. Um, I don't see you carrying coke or salt or the softener. <laughs> right? exactly. Well, I just saw it on TV. I want to go down there. I bet you well, do. Well, really no. Like that. <laughs> yeah. That's really unreal. It's on. <laughs> and then they're mad when you tell, tell them, them no. Tell them no. Yeah. <laughs> Watch your head. Okay, so there was the first one. Yep. This is just my routine. It's my favorite part about the basement. Kelly has owned the Palmer House for 11 years. She believes she's the second longest owner in the hotel's history. And unlike other owners, she's embraced the Palmer's haunted reputation. She invites paranormal experts and energy workers like Suzanne Worthley to lead spirit searches through the hotel's infamous rooms. This is the second one. I had a team that was here, good friends of mine, and uh, they had set up, there's a string right here for this room too. They had set up their monitors, all their equipment, Mm -hmm. their cameras. I mean, taped it down. I mean, ran (laughs) from basement to the third floor, and he's walking down to the end of the hall to turn his camera on, and as he's walking away, this light bulb came out ended up underneath the pop machine. Okay, yeah, you know. <laughs> Ten seconds from him having it on film. Of course. Scared the crap out of him. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, if you'd come around this way, this is, a, mm-hmm. this is an easy one right okay. there. This part of the building, everything you touch down here is soot. Yeah. And people could argue, okay, coal, but why not the rest of the basement? Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. And so I just go again. No, I think Is that remnants of the fire? Sure. Yeah. It's just caked on there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. How, how, I mean, you're touching and, something that's a, over 100 years yeah. old. And you go, yeah. you know, in yeah. all of this, yeah. they would have looked at and went, it's perfectly fine. Why wouldn't we repurpose yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Of course, we call it repurposing. That for them would have just been save money, save yeah, time, save wasn't time. wasteful. One of the things that makes the Palmer House unique is the fact that it's, it is original. It is. It has been a hotel or a restaurant and a pub mm-hmm. since the day it was built. Mm-hmm. And with the exception of redoing the hotel rooms just because our lives have changed and now we're all entitled to our own bathrooms, right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the, the footprint of the building is the same. Everything about it. 
how that energy moves, mm -hmm. whether it's residual or whatever. Mm -hmm. And because of the type of business it is, the sheer volume of people that yeah. have gone through it, as opposed to having homes that are 100 yeah. years old, yeah. but maybe in that 100 years you have a couple families. You, exactly. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't have all the impressions. Yeah. And I think, too, the other thing is the Palmer House, I mean, it was as state-of-the-art as it could be at mm -hmm. the time it was built. And so I think of the, the Palmer family. I think of the people that worked here, the people that built it. I, what's to say that they wouldn't go, hey, let's go see if the old place is still standing. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. You know, the, I, I think people have connections and attractions um, energetically, oh, spiritually, whatever, that what would make them want to pop in. What would 20 years ago you say about what you just said? Where um, would you, I mean, would you go? I would have went, that's a really cool concept. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know anything about any of this. In fact, when I do my tours, I always talk to people about, uh, really telling them to shed everything they thought they knew or believed about any of this. Really come in this, clear your mind of any opinions you have, because I'm really a firm believer that so many of us have opinions that are nothing but adopted ones of other people. Mm -hmm. Whether it's and, and, and that's not even a point of, of criticism, mm -hmm. whether it's our parents or society or our community or our church or our Politics. schools. We <laughs> yeah. all go, your shirt's green. And we just go, okay. Sure. And, and, and some of that is fine, but getting to a point in your life where you give yourself permission to go, I wonder if I were to think about this. And with the information I have, if I might form a different opinion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I really encourage people to come here and do. Mm -hmm. You have permission. Mm -hmm. And so actually when this stuff kind of started happening and people started telling me what it meant and I kind of started wrapping my brain around it, I literally called my mom and said, do I have an opinion about this that I just don't remember? And she sure. went, you know, Probably never did come up in conversation. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a little town of 600 people. We were sheltered by default. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It just didn't come up in conversation. Mm -hmm. So there was, there's a shadow person that keeps bolting back and forth from underneath. Oh. <laughs> that's, why I, that's why I keep turning keep and doing beer. that. I see you keep looking yeah, over here. It's, there's just a shadow bolting back and forth in and out of the pub. <laughs> I'm talking about you guys. <laughs> and uh, so I, I just really, just I, I just I just I, I love to just keep my mind open and maybe have somebody say something to me that I go cool I never thought about it that way mm -hmm. and so what resonates with me and what feels right I've had the absolute gift of I had no filters to work through mm -hmm. uh, nothing mm -hmm. I had no fear which probably is the biggest blessing of all. Mm -hmm. to, I, I didn't have to overcome anything. Yeah. And so my initial reaction to all of it was, yeah, you're right, I can't explain it, but cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, that's just where I can. So, so it sounds um, 
from the way Suzanne and some of the others were talking, like the relationship with the spirits here is largely a positive interaction and a positive back and forth. Um, and a lot of times when you hear about people's experience with spirits or ghosts or whatever they might call them, it's not a positive thing. Why do you think, is it different? Is there something about the dynamic here that's different? Is it, what is that? I can, I can tell you my opinion and I can, um, I, I can share my opinion sure. on that. I think, um, for one, for one thing, I think when I came here, um, in fact, Phoebe, I don't know if I ever told you the story about my first time meeting Lucy or with somebody that met Lucy. Um, my friend Tim. Um, I think your mom's met Tim. Oh, I know they have. Tim's been here. He's a psychic medium as well. And we were going upstairs and we were going to her room and it was the first experience for me of anybody seeing her. And he... <laughs> He was going through the door first and he spun around and about ran me over and now great this is on tape because Tim said if you ever tell anybody I did that I'll deny it but he said she was sitting in her chair we'll take his last name up he was, she was sitting in her chair with her leg cross smoking a cigarette on her big long filter and she was like so you're gonna try to make me leave too good fucking luck everybody else has tried is that so, Lucy? <laughs> and so I think, and again, when I was sharing before about the fact that I had, I had no opinion about it. I they weren't good. They weren't bad. They were just people I hadn't met yet. I, I didn't have an opinion, and I have to admit that that scared me. Because for me, I knew nothing, and to have him react that way, and she revealed herself in a not, a, not a real pleasant way either. She was going for shock value, and it worked. But I do think that what she spoke was the truth for herself, and I think so many of the other ones, is I think probably everybody before me, I mean, we have little grandmas come shuffling in on their walkers yet, talking about the fact that I used to be a chambermaid here and I've sprinkled my share of holy water in this building. <laughs> Everybody was about making them go away. Or, at the very least, you did not talk about it, yep. you did not validate it, you did not acknowledge that. You left it to believe somehow they were negative people. And so, I, you know, and actually somebody just asked me this the other day, and I went, oh my God, I never thought of that. But I believe at this point right now, I am the second longest owner in the history of the Palmer House. Wow. wow. It is not unusual that people were only here for a year or two, and they were gone. That's crazy. And somebody asked me the other day, do you think maybe they were getting scared away or the Palmer House was part of their not successful or whatever and I went you know I don't know but so I never treated them poorly and with the help of Suzanne and Phoebe and Lisa and my friend Tim and my friend Tiffany everybody has helped the Palmer House and has helped me to also maintain a positive environment. I think they're all busy on their side 
keeping the peace and the positive. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you don't want to... Who wants to deal with a crabby person? Yeah. And so I think they do their own amount of work on the other side, Mm -hmm. keeping that. They know I'm busy on my side keeping Mm -hmm. it. And we all just try to get as long as best as we can. And you know what? We all have bad days. And sometimes... I still bump into that, and I was just like, okay, dude. I mean, there was times that if uh, if a room for me has been feeling like people have kind of been talking about that they were uncomfortable being in it, I'll just take it off the dock, and I won't even rent it for a period of time. I'll just go, sorry, dude. You had somebody. There was that one room. Was that Raymond's room? Yeah. Yeah, you didn't rent that for a long time. No. Yeah. But the thing is, is in, in, and I think Raymond gets such a bad rap, and I feel so bad for him, and I love to talk about him to educate people. I think the man has my back <laughs> in such huge, epic ways that he's always running around and making sure everything is okay, and people are wanting him to be a dog and pony show and he's just like I don't have time for this yeah. and sometimes other things that will upset him is things that from his time period would have been deemed inappropriate by everybody from that time period mm-hmm. and people want to peg him as, as some jerk <laughs> as some jerk and it's just like you know what a, 50 years, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, people had different opinions about what was normal and what was acceptable. Yeah. I can imagine sometimes he looks at things and goes, that is not how a young lady should behave. And, But he's no different than anybody's grandpa or dad or would have been of that time period. And so I just think he gets beat up all the time and people want to challenge him and the fact that if he indeed was Lucy's pimp, well, you know what? They were still adults and they made their choices, and it doesn't make him a bad person. I think for them, there's a there's a pride in the Palmer House. There was a huge pride attached to this place. This was, like I said, this was no small feat when this was built. And the lengths that they went to and the money they put into it and to think that it's still all here, I It's amazing. And I and I think that they and and I love and appreciate all of that history about it. So I think everybody's just kind of working together to to make it as successful as we can and keep the doors open. Mm-hmm. Heaven knows it's not like I'm making a ton of money here. Actually, I think this year is the, uh, the second year that we'll have made a profit in the 14 years I've been here. Wow. Mm-hmm. My husband and I have uh, cashed out our life insurance policies, everything, to keep this place going. Mm-hmm. And and you want to talk about a, an amazing man that he was willing to do all that because he knows how much joy this place brings me. And he, I mean, wow. Yeah, it's really awesome. Wow. 
I'm I'm right I mean I know with every fiber of my being I'm right where I'm supposed to be doing exactly what I'm doing and, and how many people can say that <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. very very I mean I think there's a lot of people that never even allow themselves to form the question I wonder if I was supposed to have a life purpose. You know? Not only was it just dropped in my lap, in, in, in the most unlikely of places conceivable, I still have to say. Um, but, yeah, it was given to me and I was given an answer to a question I hadn't even formed the question yet. <laughs> Today, the Palmer House is recognized as one of the most haunted hotels in America. It draws paranormal investigators, ghost hunters from famous TV shows, and psychics from around the world. It also offers a chance for thrill seekers and the curious to get up close and personal with the world of spirits. Over the years, shared experiences and stories repeated by hotel guests and staff started painting a picture of the spirits who roam the halls and occupy the rooms of the Palmer House. Apparitions sitting in the pub or rushing through the kitchen doors. The young boy who bounces his ball down the stairs. Carlisle Palmer smoking his cherry tobacco. Ghosts who pull hair and pinch arms. Employees being locked in rooms. The sounds of children playing and dogs barking. Cold spots. Hallways filled with fog. The tall, thin man lurking in the basement. The cat in room 11. Lucy, the prostitute, in room 17. Her pimp, Raymond, living across the hall. There are a lot of rumors and legends about the ghosts at the Palmer. So I asked Ryan to talk with the only person we know who makes friends with ghosts. So Kelsey wasn't able to be in studio with us today, so we had her record on her phone a few questions for Phoebe. So here are those questions. And just a forewarning, you may hear my dog Scrappy groaning in this interview. Phoebe is one of his favorite people on the planet, and he needed to be in the room during the interview, so there you go. Okay, the first question is, who are some of the spirits that live in the Palmer? And then she can kind of talk a little bit about some of the characters and personalities and people that she knows. That's question one. Lucy is one of the most famous ghosts that resides in the Palmer House, and she lives on the second floor, last room on the left. Um, I first met Lucy the very first time that we went there. Ryan, you and I were staying in the room, I remember, and I was too afraid to go through by myself. That's how intense the energy was in there. It was kind of like a black sticky cloud of 
fear. And I didn't even like being in there. But after that weekend, I think she kind of warmed up to me. And I remember feeling her presence like kind of as a scary older sister like an angry older sister who's mad at you for stealing her clothes and you're too afraid to tell her that you did it so you're kind of avoiding the topic like there was an elephant in the room and she was the elephant and once I got to know her through basic conversation of my name's Phoebe what's your name Lucy how old are you blah 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 just how you'd get to know a normal person of course leaving out the question how did you die because that's my least favorite question kind of bugs me I don't think I'd want to have someone ask me that after I died and then we started becoming friends and she's very sassy she's the only ghost that I have ever given permission to touch me and she's pulled my hair pulled me physically backwards and laid next to me in bed. I can always feel her. She comes through the floor when we stay on the first floor and always comes to say hi first thing when I get in my room. She's very sweet to me, not so sweet to other people that she doesn't know, but she's also very sassy and likes the fame that comes with being one of the most prominent ghosts at the Palmer. I have talked to Mrs. Palmer plenty of times. She hangs out in the lobby mostly. And it's not really a back and forth conversation. It's mostly just me talking to her and her presence being there. (laughs) But yeah, she's kind of stone cold mother figure in the lobby and she doesn't really talk to me much. She's opened doors for me physically, the one coming from the lobby into the cafe area, the swinging doors. I always see her when we're working on um, the Saturday night investigation. I always see her kind of um, standing outside of those windows and looking in at Suzanne and Lisa working. So I always invite her in and then we kind of stand back There's a bunch of small children. I don't really know any of their names, but we play together sometimes. Okay. (laughs) Um, I don't know if I've- No Raymond at all? No, I don't. I think because my relationship is so strong with Lucy that I wouldn't even want to go over there or try to talk to him. Question two is, why are they there? Why are these spirits in the Palmer? That's question two. Um, I think that the spirits and ghosts... Well, they're mostly ghosts. I think the ghosts at the Palmer house stay there because... (laughs) Hold on. What's the difference between a spirit and a ghost? I think the difference between a spirit and a ghost is that 
A ghost is stuck and has some sort of unfinished business and spirit can cross back and forth from the other side to here. Okay. And most of the ghosts at the Palmer House are stuck with unfinished business. And I'm not sure if there are any residential spirits. There probably is, but to my knowledge, I only know about the ghosts. There's a lot of people who come there, actual people, physical people, who bring spirits with them because the Palmer House... The Palmer House is kind of like a hotel for ghosts. And people. And people. They should use that in their slogan. Dead or alive, come and stay. So there's this whole thing that I was told when I was like... 16 when I asked my spirit guide why am I like this why do people come and see me ghost wise spirit wise and they showed me a vision of me sitting behind glass like in a jail cell and I was the one on the receiving end of the phone and the spirits were all on the other side and I was kind of a lighthouse like a beacon of light for them to come and find me because they knew that I could communicate with them. And I think the Palmer House is kind of like a lighthouse. It's kind of like a beacon of light in that other dimension. So they know that there'll be other people there and there'll be stuff going on so they go and stay so they can be around people like themselves. Because they do interact with each other. Mm-hmm. We're just not constantly aware of that. Question three for her is, so, I don't know the best way to phrase it, but it's basically, are, are all the spirits in the palm are good? People talk a lot about how the energy there is good, it's positive kind of ghost experience, but are all experiences there good? If not, could she tell of a time where she didn't have a good experience at the Palmer? Sorry, I'm driving. Okay, that's that's question three. Are all of the ghosts and spirits in the Palmer good? Well, I think that'd be kind of ignorant to say that they're all happy-go-lucky spirits and ghosts trapped in a building. (laughs) Not necessarily trapped, but all the ghosts that are stuck there. It's kind of like, for me, some of the ghosts can have a good day or a bad day and some are just straight up angry but for example someone like Lucy the last time I came she wasn't very happy and it wasn't like the regular Lucy she doesn't just stay in one sassy emotion she's kind of like us she has the ability to change and waver from happy to sad and I think when she can be nasty, she can be really nasty, and she can be portrayed as a bad ghost to someone like us. And so it can be kind of scary, because it's not as easy to tell what's going on because they don't have a physical body. Like, I can't see on her face that she's upset. Would it be safe to say that ghosts just seem like people? (laughs) Like, they have good days, they have bad days. It's like personality. It's... Yeah. Because I think people have the misconception that ghosts are just scary. 
and that they're stagnant in one yeah. sense. Um, yeah, I would say that ghosts are like people and their surroundings affect them. And things can upset them and things can make them happy. But I definitely think there are different things, not necessarily ghosts, that can be bad at the Palmer House. Like, there can be a conglomeration of negative energy that can affect someone. And question four is, how do you tell the difference between good and bad? I mean, how do you tell the difference between a ghost who's just trying to tell a story and something that's actually much harsher or energy that is more potentially harmful. Um, how do you tell the difference between good and bad? How do, how do people know that? Um, the first time I went to the Palmer House, I remember from the moment I walked in the door that I kind of felt like I was being watched from every corner of the room. And I started getting more comfortable as the weekend went on, and on Saturday, when we were talking to all the ghosts, when I would ask them what their name is, I kept getting the name James in the back of my head. And it was kind of this reoccurring thing every time I'd interact with a ghost there. And I kind of felt like someone was looking for me and had some business with me to deal with or was angry with me. And I went in the basement during the day during the regular walkthrough, not the spirit search. And I felt very uncomfortable. I felt like someone was trailing directly behind me and I didn't really like it. I didn't like the energy down there. It felt heavy, it felt thick. And I felt like I couldn't breathe. There are certain parts that I wouldn't even want to walk in to now, certain rooms that the energy is so thick that I feel like I'm being squished. And at night, when I went down there, I was feeling confident, I was having a good time, and as soon as I stepped down to that bottom stair, it kind of felt like everything got cold, and that that pressure was all around me again. And everyone was filing into the room, and I was trying to take a picture, and my phone completely freaked out, and turned off and all the battery was drained and so I was the last one to go in the room so I had to sit right in the threshold and so the hallway was behind me and that's when I asked you to stand behind me and I felt all of the whizzing energy of that hallway pushing up against me and I had a really strong feeling that there was someone behind me and I could see it in my head very tall black figure just unhumanly tall and large and a overwhelming presence of negative energy and fear and I knew that I had to get myself out physically before I could even start to try to think of how to communicate or cross him over and so I went upstairs and I found Suzanne and I couldn't even talk about it because I just started crying and when I do work like this, I sometimes I cry, and it's not me 
emotionally crying, it's just a way to release energy. That was the question I wanted to ask you, because sometimes you just feel the spirit or ghost emotions, and then the emotions come through you, and they're not yours. Yeah, that freaks me out still. (laughs) I've been doing this for, like, five years, actively, and it still scares me when... I feel someone else's emotion in my physical body and it reacts and I am what is the word I'm looking for I release all of their emotion through my body yeah you're like a conduit yeah and that's where medium comes in really (laughs) literally I'm in between them and the physical world and they use me to release and get a message across and the first time I ever even had a spirit in my field is when I was saying all of this information that I didn't even think my mouth was moving and I was speaking for them and crying because they were so scared and confused but I don't think I was crying for the shadow man I think I was crying for everyone else there who had to be in fear because of him. Because I wasn't necessarily terrified. I was very scared, but I wasn't scared to the point of hysteria, which I was in. So, yeah. And then I went and got Suzanne. She went downstairs. She thought she crossed him over. She came back up, and I looked at her, and I was like... You didn't cross him over, you just made him upset. And now he's angry. And then she got angry. And then she crossed him over with everyone else down there. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I want to thank our producer, Eric Gerber, for researching this episode and writing the history that you heard about the Palmer House. You'll hear more from Eric in upcoming stories. He's actually become our guinea pig, and as a bit of a skeptic, we like to bring him places to see what happens. To continue our Halloween miniseries, next time on Strange Transmissions, we'll tell the story of what happened to him and Phoebe when we visited the Palmer House. It's a story of what can happen if you're not careful when visiting haunted places. And then I could just feel it in in my guts and in my midsection, just kind of, it was weird. It was, it was like my midsection was puffing out, like there was a layer there and then just, just twisting and wrenching on the inside. It felt like just like completely tying it in a knot. I started to get intense abdominal pains like we said before but tenfold like I couldn't move and I was in like a fetal position also just to think that like I should ask an angry spirit or ghost or whatever he (laughs) was why he's angry Uh, just looking back it's like why would I think that would be a good idea for me to do But it was such intense pain that I didn't think that a ghost could really do that. 
but I was wrong, obviously. This is Kelsey, and I am standing next to Lake Superior near the Apostle Islands, just outside of Bayfield, Wisconsin, where we are scouting some stories of haunted lighthouses to cover for you maybe sometime this summer. This episode of Strange Transmissions is dedicated to Kelly Fries and the Palmer staff for being so friendly and welcoming and allowing us to share their space. It's also dedicated to our good friend, Little Bowie, and his parents, Ashley and Josh, for recording the ghost child sounds you heard in this episode. And also to our good friend, Hannah Stevens, for the piano tunes. Hannah is a talented photographer and musician in the Seattle area, and you can check out her work at hannahstevens.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.